Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Baker Mayfield, come on down to the NFC South. It's a division where quarterbacks say, where do I want to go play for my second team? Or my third team in some cases. Come on down. Carolina Panthers. And the Panthers didn't have to give up barely anything for the former number one overall pick. Oh, Cleveland, don't you ever change. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and company on this Thursday edition of the show, July 7th. I'm the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parts III. Of course, I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah Five Names. we got a great show lined up for you today. Three guests, hopefully, if they answer their phones, on the back end of today's show. We're going to keep our fingers crossed on this one. Mad Dog, Ron Higgins. He typically joins us on Wednesday for the Tigers Midweek Report. Our buddy from Tiger Details, the award-winning columnist, going to join us at 7.30 today to talk all things LSU. Straight up 8 o'clock, less East, the latest with the Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. Got plenty to talk about, about both teams. And then we'll close out today's show at 8.30 with Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball reporter, columnist from USA Today. So those are our three guests, 7.38, We're lined up there. Of course, we're going to touch on all of it. Zion Williamson finally getting that contract done, signed, sealed, delivered. The big fella locked in some interesting details coming out about that contract. The Houston Astros finally had that winning streak snapped. Kansas City Royals got them last night at Minute Maid Ballpark, but they're still up two games to one in this series, and they can win the series this afternoon as Justin Verlander will be taking the bump, the first 10-game winner in the big leagues. So I like their chances to be able to do that. And we'll touch on all of that. But we got to start off with Baker Mayfield, right? Baker Mayfield. One of Kevin Foote's favorite quarterbacks is now in this division. I'm sure you're not going to hear about it at all today or for the next few months. Give you some initial thoughts here about the Baker Mayfield trade. What is Cleveland doing? That, that, that's my first thing. Because here's the details of the trade. So the Browns trade their former number one overall pick, starting quarterback, mind you, to the Carolina Panthers, for a conditional draft pick. <laughs> For a conditional draft pick. The Panthers get a former number one overall pick 
starting quarterback in this league. And they don't have to do anything. They barely had to give up anything. And the Panthers have been a poorly ran franchise for the least, least three to four years. And yet somehow they got the better end of this deal with Cleveland. The Panthers are only going to have to pay $4.85 million of Mayfield's salary while the Browns are still on the hook for $10.5 million. <laughs> oh, man. So not only are the Browns on the hook for $10.5 million, it gets better. According to Adam Schefter, Mayfield agreed to convert the remainder of his $18.8 million salary into incentives to facilitate the deal, which is pending a physical. Mayfield can earn the money back based on team performance, a source said. So, obviously, Mayfield didn't want to be in Cleveland anymore. That relationship had deteriorated so poorly and so quickly with the front office and their star quarterback. Probably didn't help that she decided to trade for Deshaun Watson and give him all this guaranteed money, and, and then he may not even play this year. So come on down, Jacoby Brissett, if you're the Cleveland Browns. So not only do the Browns have to pay $10 million of Baker's salary this year to not have him on the roster, the Browns are going to receive, wait for it, a fourth or fifth round pick in 2024, depending on Mayfield's playing time in Carolina. For the pick to be a fourth rounder, which, by the way, begins the third day of the draft. By the way, Baker Mayfield, once again, number one overall pick. Mayfield would have to play 70% of the snaps, a league source told ESPN. <laughs> if he doesn't reach that threshold, the Browns are only going to get a fifth round pick. So you have to pay the majority of his salary and you're only going to get a fourth or a fifth round pick. Credit Carolina. They needed to improve their quarterback room. They just did. Uh, do I? Am I a big Baker Mayfield fan? No. But Baker Mayfield's better than Sam Darnold and Matt Corral, who they drafted this year, isn't ready. He's a rook coming off an injury. So he's not ready. So if you're the Carolina Panthers, this makes your team better. And Matt Rule is now entering a key, a critical year at the helm of the Panthers. So he needs to start winning now to save his job. And credit the Panthers for making this move. And they didn't jump the gun, right? They could have. This has been rumored about for months, months, months. And Carolina just stood back and said, all right. And they waited. They still got Baker Mayfield. They still made their team better. And they don't have to barely pay him anything. And they don't have to give up anything. At most, they give up a fourth-round pick. At worst, I mean, at mo at worst, they give up a fourth-round pick. At best, it's only a fifth-round pick. Unbelievable. So Baker will battle it out with Sam Darnold, the number three overall selection in 2018. Two spots behind Baker Mayfield, by the way, who was taken number one overall in that draft. 
we're going to look back at that quarterback class that year and see a lot of mistakes being made. Baker Mayfield, as Kevin likes to call him. Number one overall in 2018. The number three overall selection was Sam Darnold to the New York Jets. Now they're both on the Carolina Panthers roster. Fighting to get that team to seven wins this year. And they also, by the way, selected Matt Corral in the third round of the draft, and he's coming off an injury, and he'll be a rookie. Sources say the Panthers have no intention of trading Darnold after acquiring Mayfield. So they'll get to battle it out in camp, which I find fascinating. Here's the other interesting part about this. (laughs) Besides the fact that Since 2018, would you like to know who's thrown the most and second most interceptions in the NFL since the beginning of the 2018 season? So that's 2018, 19, 20, 21. So the last four seasons, who's thrown the most interceptions and who's thrown the second most interceptions? Number one on that list, Baker Mayfield with 56. Second on the list, Sam Darnold with 52. Come on down, Panthers. (laughs) So it makes Carolina better. Don't get me wrong. It makes the Panthers better. But the Panthers were trash. So now they just get to be mediocre. Congratulations. (laughs) So... What makes this even funnier to me is if Mayfield wins the job, let's say he beats out Sam Darnold to be the number one quarterback on the depth chart for the Carolina Panthers. He'll play the Cleveland Browns in week number one. So, so, so not only Cleveland, (laughs) wait for it. So not only did Cleveland take their former number one overall pick, they traded him to another team where they'll have to pay the majority of his salary and the best they're going to get in return for said trade is a fourth round pick then they're going to have to face said player possibly in the opener of the season. While their starting quarterback, who they gave a huge record-setting guaranteed contract to, is going to be suspended because he can't stop sexually harassing women who give him massages. There you go, Cleveland! Browns doing brown things. They just can't help themselves. Oh, Cleveland. Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. What are you doing? With the trade, Carolina Super Bowl odds, by the way, went from 125 to 1 to 101. Woo! In a statement, D and Jimmy Haslam, owners, Say, we want to thank Baker for all his contributions to the Cleveland Browns. For the moment he was drafted, he gave all 
for his this organization in this city with his fierce competitive spirit. He excited the fan base and accomplished things that no player at his position had done in Cleveland for a very long time. He also made a difference in the community, whether it was hosting events at the Boys and Girls Club, honoring our troops, supporting the Special Olympics, as well as countless other charitable endeavors. We're grateful for everything he did for the organization and wish him and Emily well in the future, end quote. Yet he wasn't good enough to continue being your starting quarterback. Instead, you traded for a guy and gave up a ton of picks for a guy who's probably not even going to play for you this year for off-the-field issues. <laughs> five-year, what's it? Just a refresher. The deal they gave Watson, five years, $230 million, fully guaranteed. The richest deal in guaranteed money in NFL history by an $80 million margin. And the cat isn't even going to play this year. <laughs> I had to give up three first rounders. So they gave up all that money and all those draft picks to get Deshaun Watson, who's not even going to play for him. And their own guy that they drafted number one overall four years ago, they're going to get a fourth round pick for and have to foot his salary this year does this seem like a team that makes smart decisions to you Jacoby Brissett time to draft him in my fantasy league championship it's coming the history of Cleveland Brown quarterbacks drafted number one overall is not great in total, the three quarterbacks played a total of 122 games for the Browns and have combined 51 and a 67 record. And the Haslam's in particular have done a terrible job with drafting quarterbacks over the years. They just don't understand how it's done. And now they had Deshaun Watson possibly going to be suspended for, wait for it, wait for it, for the year. The Browns selected the former Heisman Trophy winner number one overall in 2018, made his debut week three of that season off the bench, and rallied the Browns to their first victory in 635 days. He went on to finish second in the Rookie of the Year voting that year while breaking the NFL rookie record with 27 touchdowns. That was later breaker broken by Justin Herbert. But he was wildly inconsistent. But to be fair to Baker, who'd grown frustrated with the franchise, he played for four different head coaches in his first three seasons. Once again, organizations that are not well run, typically, the majority of the time, are unable to develop franchise quarterbacks. Chaos in the front office, chaos with the coaching staff, usually does not lend itself to consistency at the quarterback position. It's a story as old as time. And he was the starting quarterback for the Browns for their first playoff victory in 26 years in 2020. But now he's gone. Thanks for your service. So Baker Mayfield is now in the NFC South. That leads us to our poll question of the day. Poll question of the day. 
Mm-mm-mm. Who's now the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? Obviously, Tom Brady. Don't need you to make a phone call, Jamie Green. We already know Tom Brady for the Tampa Bay Bucks is the best quarterback in the division. But who's the second best quarterback now? Because there are some Baker Mayfield fans out there. I don't know if there's any Marcus Mariota fans, the former first-round draft pick of the Tennessee Titans, who then was the backup in Las Vegas, now is your starting quarterback in Atlanta as they develop the young fella. Is it Jameis Winston, Saints fans? Or is it Baker Mayfield? That's our poll question of the day, which is already getting traction. Who's now the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? 60% of you say famous Jameis. 40% say Baker Mayfield. JPK, the OD, says, I refuse to accept the premise of your question. The correct answer is none of the above. When the season is over, J-Dub will be seen as the best in the division and a top 10 quarterback in this league. This is the year that Father Time catches up with the GOAT. Hashtag, how many broken tablets? And, of course, JPK the OD comes back again with a gif of Tom throwing the tablet, crushing it during a Saints game. Insert a few Cam Jordan bone-crushing sacks, and I give you Tom Brady's 2022 season on a loop. And also, again, this got JPK the OD fired up. He already has three comments on the poll question. The correct answer is Tom Brady with Baker nipping at his heels. Jameis is number one. And it's not close. Hashtag one season too many for the GOAT. John Paul Cage and Daddy says, I think the Panthers getting Baker is a bigger move than people may think. Baker's a very good quarterback, but Jameis is better than all of them. We will see that Tom should have stayed retired. And did you say Mariota's in Atlanta? Yes, sir, I did. That's who, <laughs> that's who the Atlanta Falcons are going with after they did the Matt Ryan fiasco, because they didn't really handle that all well. They got Marcus Mariota to be their bridge quarterback for the young fellow that they drafted this year. So keep those votes a-coming on our poll question of the day. Who's now the second-best starting quarterback in the NFC South? Is it Marcus Mariota? Is it Jameis Winston or Baker Mayfield? Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well. We got to take a timeout. When we return, Houston Astros. Winning streak comes to an end. We'll talk about it next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros are one of the best teams in baseball. And you can see them live in person. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston's going to take on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. That's right. Mariners, Strohs, inside Minute Maid Ballpark, Saturday, July 30th. We can hook you up with four tickets, a tour of the ballpark, and wait for it, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. 
simply register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself once again four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, the Big Juice Box, hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston downtown, and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Speaking of those strokes, the winning streak is over. It ends at eight games as the Kansas City Royals defeat the Houston Astros 7-4. Royals jumped out early on Christian Javier, plating five runs in the first three innings, including three in the top of the first. That kind of set the tone. Javier only goes five innings. Gives up five runs, all earned on only four hits. Walked three batters, did strike out seven. The problem for Javier is that he gave up batting practice there in the first two innings. Merrifield home run in the first. Then he gave up a two-run blast later in the first. So two home runs there in the first inning. Then gives up a Rivera home run, a solo shot. In the second, that made it 4 nothing, and that was pretty much all she wrote there. Strohs tried to plate some runs to make it close late. Tucker was able to drive in a run with a single in the fourth. Myers grounded out in that inning as well, which scored Tucker. That made it a 5-3 ball game. And then Diaz hit a solo shot in the sixth to make it 5-4. So the Strohs tried to climb back into this. After Javier had a rough outing, but credit the Royals for adding the insurance runs that they needed there in the ninth inning as they were able to plate two more runs there in the ninth off a double and a single. So the winning streak is snapped at eight games. Christian Javier gets tagged with the loss. He drops to six and four on the season. And look, we talked about this even way going back last week. Kansas City just plays the Astros well. Typically, they're a small ball team. Last night, they found their home run strut. Or as Foote would say, Kansas City bats terrible against everyone else except for the Astros. When they play Houston, all of a sudden, they're really good. (laughs) It's just one of those things. There's always going to be teams that way. During a Major League Baseball season, there's always going to be a team that's going to play you really well that shouldn't play you really well. Sometimes it's familiarity if it's a division rival. Other times it's just a team that just matches up well. Now, Dusty Baker, because the way the season is, because we had the lockout, so they're having to make up games, so there's less days off, he decided to give some of his guys the day off including Jose Altuve, who Dusty said afterwards would have been available after, you know, in in a close situation in the ninth, maybe as a pinch hitter. But when Kansas City added the insurance runs on the top of the ninth, Jose just went ahead and had the full day off. So Dubon, who came in his, his replacement, he went 0 for 5. Not optimal. Jeremy Pena, the rookie, 0 for 5, 3 Ks. Alvarez, 1 for 4. Bregman was 0 for 2, did draw two walks. Tucker had a good night, a couple hits. Myers had a a good night. But it was one of those nights where Altuve had the night off. 
Yuli Gurriel had the night off. And they fall 7-4. to four. Good news for the Astros fans. Yes, your team lost. Your team is still one of the best teams in baseball. Oh, and you can win the four-game series this afternoon when Justin Verlander, Major League Baseball's first 10-game winner, an early favorite for the Cy Young Award, is going to take the bump for afternoon baseball. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. First pitch set for 1-10. Astro launch 12-35 with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. Royals, Astros right here on the game. We got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, Zion Williams, David Griffin. Oh, it's a marriage made in somebody's heaven. The contract is signed, sealed, and delivered. The big fella is going to be a member of the team for years to come. We'll hear from them coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros. Here on RP3 and Company, everyone is apparently part of the game family. Brother, 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 brother. Seriously, how many brothers does Ray have? Good morning to you, brother. Back to Ray and all of his brothers right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. That's right. You can track your steps, your heart rate, the time, text messages, make phone calls, accept phone calls. It does it all. It's like you're living in the Jetsons. All you have to do to win the brand new Apple Watch is join our brand new text club. That's right. Simply text the word GAME. G-A-M-E to 337-288-8100. That's GAME to 337-288-8100. Once you join, you'll be eligible to win an Apple Watch. Plus, you will have a ton of chances to score other great prizes like Astros tickets, concert tickets, station swag, and more. It's the game's new text club, and you can join and promptly win an Apple Watch. Find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Let's talk a little New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Zion Williamson, David Griffin, a match made in heaven. The big fella signed his contract. They made it official. The Supermax extension that makes number one Raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, Darren, it makes his stomach upset. That's done. It's a done deal. Zion is going to be in New Orleans for years to come. Whether or not he stays healthy, eh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's a different story, right? <laughs> the big fella's only played 85 games. Three full seasons, only played one of them, and not even a full season at that. So he's been injured for the majority of his pro career, but here he is. He's getting the Supermax extension. 
going to be staying with the Pelicans. Five-year extension that could be worth up to $231 million, which is nice. He signed the extension in front of about 80 kids participating in a summer camp at the local YMCA, which is always a nice set. He sat down at a table with his parents and his little brother who was attending the camp. A lot of the kids from the camp attended him signing. It's a nice moment, right? It's a nice scene. Mom and dad are there. Little bro is there. A bunch of kids from the camp is there. It's at the YMCA. It's a good look. PR-wise, it's a really good look. Do I still believe that his inner circle wants him in New Orleans? Eh, That's a discussion for another day. (laughs) Now, Williamson's deal is worth... $193 $193 million over five years and could jump to 231 if he hits the escalator clauses in the deal by making an all-NBA team next season. Now, Griffin did say during the conference that the signing does not include a player option on the end of it. It's a straight-up deal. Which is interesting. Brandon Ingram, when he signed his five-year deal with the New Orleans following the 2019-20 season, He also signed a five-year deal with no option, which is interesting. Now, also reportedly, the contract is built in to protect New Orleans from injuries where they're not going to have to pay him as much money as part of the accelerators, part of the incentives is... They're being protected, if you will, if Zion's missing a ton of time. But Zion is there. He's ready to get to work for the Pelicans and join B.I. and C.J. McCollum and this core group that they're trying to build together to build something special down in New Orleans, finally, after David Griffin is, you know, fumbled around trying to find the light switch in the dark for three years. Griffin talked to the media as well. So did Willie Green. We're going to hear from Willie Green first. And he said yesterday that, look, this team can be really, really scary now with a healthy Zion on the floor. Zion is a huge part of what we do, of what we want to accomplish. And it's not necessarily him fitting in. He can do that with any team in the league. It's about maximizing the group that we have when we add him to it. You know, frankly, I think it's going to be scary for the rest of the NBA. Uh, Now it's going to take work to get there. What groups play well together? How can we take advantage of different mismatches? How can we put all of our guys on the floor and give them an opportunity to be successful? That takes work. But it'll all come together at some point throughout the course of the season. And when it does, you know, I think we we can be a scary team. You like hearing that from the coach because he's respectful for Zion. He's letting Zion know and everyone know how important Zion's going to be to this team's future, but also saying it's not going to be easy, right? He's letting everyone know work has to be part of this. Going to have to put in the work. Of course, it's been a up and down 
last few months or really a year for Zion. Remember, right before the start of the season, he sat down at media day and I'm going to be ready to go for the regular season. And then he never played. And then there was him being in Oregon or Washington, working out and not communicating with the team. And all types of weird stuff happened throughout the season between Zion and the Pelicans. And the, the young fella, the big fella, admitted it's been a bit of a roller coaster. The last few months were a roller coaster of emotions. I felt it the most for my family because at the beginning of the season, I told the world, if y'all ever want to know if I want to be here, just ask me. And instead of asking me, the world just ran with narratives. And so when my family was going out in public, they're getting harassed by people on why we don't like New Orleans or why I don't want to be here when that's not the case at all. I wasn't able to play because my foot was broke, so that sucked. Every time I check my phone, it's always something negative. Even when you're trying to make positive of the situation, it was very tough. So it was a roller coaster for sure, but my family, Pels, Ms. Benson, they were always there. Griff would call me in his office. Too much, if you ask me. Uh, <laughs> but he would always, him and Trajan would always drop gems on me. They would just give me knowledge on the situation, what they think I can do to mentally feel better. They always offered help when they didn't have to do that. Coach Green, same for him. Uh, he kept his distance, but he also would come drop gems on me. So the people I needed to be there for me, they were all there. Pelicans, my family, and all my friends. Despite it being a roller coaster of emotions, um, they helped me get through the tough times. I like what I hear there. I do. I like Zion. I have no beef with Zion. I would have taken John Morant because the NBA has become a point guard league, right? And I'm I'm all about point guards that got dogs in them. But it's a coin flip. It was a coin flip for a lot of people. Griff went with Zion. He went with the big kid. Zion talking to the media, just like what he just did right there. That would have that would have made a huge difference if he would have done that during the season. But he didn't. Now I don't know if his inner circle decided not to or the Pelicans decided to tell him not to or whoever it was, but it sure doesn't feel like he wanted to not talk to people. I think we can all admit to that. Now that you're hearing him after signing this this Supermax extension, sure does feel like he wasn't the one that didn't want to tell people about things. So that's going to be part of his own journey, his development. If he wants to become the face of this franchise – then he's going to have to be the one that's going to have to sit in front and answer questions to the media and talk about what's going on with the team. Because you had teammates that didn't weren't talking to him. Did, did his parents take his phone away? Did his inner circle take his Did his agent take his yeah, That's what I've always said for the last couple of years. The weirdness between Zion and the Pelicans and the fact that we don't hear a lot of things and we don't, don't get a lot of information does not feel like it's a Zion decision because he's a young kid still. Feels like it's a Pelicans or inner circle decision. I like what I heard yesterday. I do. I like that not only for him, but for his maturity and his development into the face of the franchise. Because this team, if he stays healthy, I know that's a big what if. I don't need my DMs blowing up with the guy's only played 85 games. I get it. I know how many games he's played. I've seen him play in person. 
Got to see him right before the pandemic hit. He was playing. Looks good. Can he stay healthy? I don't know. More than likely not. More than likely not, but kid can play basketball. If he can stay healthy and then kind of grow into this maturity role of, hey, I'm my own man. That's what it feels like. It feels like a young guy being controlled by his inner circle and by the organization. And if he's starting to mature and is like, hey, I'm Zion Williamson, that's going to be better for the team, by the way, and their chances of truly ascending up the Western Conference. He has something to prove. He admitted that yesterday during the press conference, what he still feels like he has to prove. I want to prove that I'm a winner. Simple as that. I want to win with Coach. I want to win with my teammates. And the ultimate goal is to win a championship. And I feel like that's what we're all striving for. Like Griff said, we're hungry. Y'all saw this past year what the team did, and I'm just excited to add to that. The best thing that could have happened did happen. And what I mean by that is Zion was away because his foot was broken. They couldn't get it right, right? And Willie Green, the new head coach, steps in, turns around the team, and they make a run. And not only do they get into the play-in tournament, they win their play-in tournament games and get into the actual playoffs. So for Zion, who we got to see rejoin the team late in the season and for the playoff run, and you saw how happy he was on the sideline, right, on the bench. He was with his teammates and everything like that. That's the best thing. Because that reassures Zion that, hey, we got something special going on here. Imagine what's going to happen when I join. And then he's still part of the team even though he's injured because the older guys reached out to him like C.J. McCollum and others and reached out to him. So now it feels like, now, now it feels like oh, this is, this is not a woeful situation. I'm not stuck with a terrible franchise that we're not going anywhere. Look at all these pieces that we have around. If I can be healthy now, I can be part of something special. That makes a difference here. How the Pelicans ended the season and the fact that they were able to win their play-in tournament games and get to the playoffs makes a huge difference here. And Zion, from afar and then up close, has definitely felt a shift in the energy of the team. Absolutely. That playoff run was special. It's crazy. Uh, We got eliminated in the first round, but y'all was there. Y'all felt that energy. That was real. You can't make that up. The young players buying in, adding CJ, B.I. leading us. Like, you just can't make that kind of stuff up. Like, you felt that energy. And Griff said it. As a player, why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? He also, even though he didn't get to be coached by Green, the rookie head coach, He did get to see how he operated. He got to see how the veteran guys and the younger guys responded to him. He got to see firsthand how the team turned a corner and really started buying into what Coach Green wanted. And the big fella gave his thoughts on his head coach. It was an honor and a privilege to to be, even though I wish I was out there, it was an honor and a privilege to watch Coach uh, do his thing out there. 
you could tell he was a player. There was one huddle. I was against the, was it the Clippers. He got on CJ. Hey, yeah, yeah. I thought Coach was a player. It was, we were playing the Clippers, and you know, Coach just looked at CJ and he get. It was a moment. He was like, "You got to fight. You just got to fight, CJ." And CJ went out there and responded, and that was just one of the many moments Coach had where I was like, "Man, I can't wait. For, I can't wait to play for him." Uh, so I'm excited. That helps too, because then he's going to go to a situation where these guys have already played for coach, and Zion's just going to fit in, right? So even if there's moments of trepidation of coach actually coaching him, the veterans are going to be able to step in and be like, hey, man, this is going to work. I don't think Zion's uncoachable, by the way. You don't go to Duke and play for Coach Gay if you're not coachable because he got after you all the time. He's a tough coach. So we know Zion's coachable. What about dunking? Man loves to dunk, loves to put people on posters left and right. Is he still going to keep doing that, coming off the foot injury? I'm a competitor. So when I'm on the court, I'm not thinking about, let me lay this ball in. Hopefully it'll make me laugh. my career will last longer. No, I'm thinking about putting that person through the rim. So as far as me dunking, that's going to that's always happen. That's going to stay happening. There's no, no matter what they're talking about. I'm always dunking. Come on, man. You're, you're, you're a pro. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I, lo- I love that. He's like, I- 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 I'm going to dunk. I- that's still going to happen. I'm still going to happen. And the thing that stood out to me also, I loved what I heard from Zion from start to finish at the presser. Impressed. Feels like he's maturing. And the message that he made sure his teammates, his coach, his GM, and the fans heard was he is not here to let them down. On my birthday last year is when I found out I broke my foot. And I was out the whole year. It was a tough year. And then for the Pelicans to come give me this birthday gift, um, I'm not going to let them down. I'm not going to let the city down. I'm not going to let my family down. And most of all, I'm not going to let myself down. So just thank you. Kid said all the right things. Let's see if he can be healthy and help deliver some sustained success in New Orleans. We got to take a timeout. We'll wrap up hour number one coming up next. Update that poll question of the day as well. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. Now that Baker Mayfield has been traded to the Carolina Panthers for a box of leftover chicken and some coleslaw, who's now the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South, of course, behind the GOAT Tom Brady? Right now, 60% of you say famous Jameis, 40% say Baker Mayfield. No votes for poor Marcus Mariota, who the Atlanta Falcons are trying to continue to give a career too so keep those votes coming keep those comments coming as well on our poll question of the day leave them on facebook and on the twitters coming up next hour hour number two on this thursday edition of rp3 and company the mad dog hollywood higgins that's right ron higgins from tiger details will be joining us to talk all things lsu That'll be coming up at 7.30. 
So if you want to get those phone calls in, you want to touch on the Astros having their winning streak snapped by the Kansas City Royals last night. You want to talk about the Baker Mayfield trade. You want to talk about Zion Williamson. Give us a holler on the hotline. We'd love to hear from you. Let's get those phone calls in to start off our number two game hotline, 337-706-0111. Our number one in the books, our number two coming up right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Ooh, our number two has arrived on this Thursday, July 7th edition of RP3 and Company. Had a good start to today's show. We covered it all for you. We discussed, wait for it, the Houston Astros lost a game. I know it hasn't happened a lot of late. It's not like they're, you know, the Los Angeles Angels or Seattle Mariners. They don't lose a ton of games. (laughs) As I get the, the stink eye from Seattle Mariners fan, producer extraordinaire, and a five names. They lose last night. Kansas City, as we've talked about, felt like their team that just plays extremely well against the Strohs. Christian Javier gives up three home runs in the first few innings of the ball game. Royals jump out to a 4 nothing advantage. Strohs try to climb back into it late, chip away. But then Kansas City gets a few insurance runs there in the ninth inning as they hold on for the victory, snapping Houston's eight-game winning streak. But here's the good news. They're still up two games to one in this series against Kansas City. They didn't play Yuli Gurriel or Jose Altuve in last night's game. Dusty Baker gave them rest. They still nearly came back and won the game. Oh, and then this afternoon... A little afternoon day baseball here for you. Justin Verlander, Major League Baseball's first 10-game winner, will be on the bump. I like the Astros' chances. <laughs> to win this series. Three games to one against the Kansas City Royals. Once again, first pitch, 1-10. Astro launch begins at 12-35. You can listen to the game between the Royals and the Strohs right here on the game later this afternoon. We also touched on Zion Williamson. Not Williams, Williamson. Signs that five-year contract. No player option, just like the deal they gave B.I. a few seasons ago. And we heard from Zion, and I loved what I heard from the big fella. He said all the right things. Sounds mature, sounds like he's ready to ascend, he's ready to become one of the best players in the NBA. Whether or not he can stay healthy to make that happen is a different discussion for a different day. 
I don't know. When you start having foot and leg problems as a big fella like he did in college and throughout his pro career, it typically leads you down a road of disappointment over and over and over and over and over again. So we'll see. But he said all the right things. He says he's going to keep on dunking. He says he's excited to play for Willie Green. He says he could tell the energy and just the personality of the team has changed and made a turn last year and that he's not here to disappoint y'all, which means the fans, which means the front office, which means his teammates, and more importantly, he has no plans to disappoint himself. Says all the things. And if this is the Zion we get where he's forthcoming, he's up front, I think he felt a little uncomfortable being a star, to be perfectly frank with you. You know, he's wearing the big old white suit when he comes to New Orleans as a parade, a block party. Drew Brees gives him the autographed jersey, says, I'm passing the torch to you. Lots of responsibility, maybe a little too much for the young kid. But now that he's had to sit back and been frustrated by being injured, not once but twice, and having two seasons essentially wiped out, now that he's got his financial security locked up, maybe now he's ready to take that step. Once again, not talking about his physical health, but mentally he seems to be strong and ready to go. And that's a very positive sign if you're the New Orleans Pelicans. And of course, we also touched on Baker Mayfield, Kevin Foote's favorite non-Saints player in the league. Interception, turnover machine. Was the starting quarterback for the Browns as they won a playoff game. Number one overall pick. Injuries last year, he was not the same quarterback. He's a little undersized. Does this help Carolina? Yes, this does make the Carolina Panthers better. Not because Baker Mayfield was the number one overall pick. has nothing to do with it. It's the fact that Baker Mayfield does have a skill set, and that is an upgrade over Sam Darnold. I know there's a lot of Sam Darnold believers out there, stands, if you will. I'm not one of them. Kid was a turnover machine in college. Went to the Jets. Once again, no offense to Darren, but they're not a well-run franchise. And, you know, Carolina doesn't have a lot of talent on their roster. Matt Rule wants to win, needs to win now. And Baker Mayfield does give them a better chance of doing so. That said, he's not a great quarterback. But if you're Carolina, this makes a lot of sense. You have to do something. You can't be throwing Sam Darnold out there. Matt Corral's a third-round pick coming off an injury and a surgery in the offseason. He ain't ready. He's not ready. And Sam Darnold, you've seen, not great. Can they keep Christian McCaffrey healthy? Well, probably not. Their line of scrimmage play is not great either in Carolina. So Baker's ability to be able to move around, right, his mobility could be a huge asset for them. 
Does this make Carolina a better team? Yes. Do they now have two guys battling it out in fall camp? In Mayfield and Darnold, who have led the NFL since 2018, the last four seasons in interceptions? Yep. They're number one and number two on that list. I think the competition will be good for both. I think Baker Mayfield will win the job. I think he gives them the best chance to win. I do not love Carolina's roster. They have done a very, very piss poor job of putting together pieces there. They just have. But if you're Carolina, this costs you nothing. This costs you nothing. At worst, it's going to cost you a fourth-round pick. That's it. Fourth-round pick. That's it. Cleveland is having to foot the majority of his salary. So you get a starting quarterback in the National Football League. You're barely paying him anything. And you're giving up a fourth-round pick at worst for Baker Mayfield. Credit the Panthers. This is a smart move. You're not going to barely have to pay him anything. You didn't have to give up a ton of assets to give him. And let's say it doesn't work. If your Carolina doesn't work this year, Baker Mayfield's just not a fit. His his headband-wearing self doesn't fit into the culture there in Carolina. Okay. Doesn't cost you anything. It's a smart move for Carolina. For Cleveland, it's just another move that just displays just how incompetent they are, specifically owned by the Haslam's of being able to put together teams and just being a competent ran franchise. Is Baker Mayfield a great quarterback? No. Nope, 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 nope. Is he a serviceable quarterback? Sure. Well, first of all, Cleveland, you took him number one overall. That's on you. That's on you. You took him number one overall. Uh, like it's a big uh. and you're the one that had him go through four head coaches in his first three seasons at the helm not only did you take him number one overall then you went through a litany of different coaches you couldn't bring him stability with the coaching staff and helping his development And then you're like, hey, let's go give the most guaranteed money ever for Deshaun Watson, who we traded away all these first-round picks for, and give him more than $200 million, the most guaranteed money in NFL history. Oh, and by the way, this guy's got all this baggage of 25 lawsuits or whatever the number may be of massage therapists, masseuses, and him trying to sex them up. He may not even play this year. You gave away all the first round picks. You gave him all this guaranteed money 
for a guy who may not even play this year, you deteriorated your relationship with your former number one overall quarterback to the point where you have to trade him and you have to pay the majority of his salary and you're only going to get a fourth round pick in return at best. Does this seem like a well-run franchise to you? No. No, no, no. Just when I thought the Washington football team was the worst franchise in the NFL, Cleveland reminds me, hey, hold our bear. We still got that title. We're proud of ourselves. That's still us. But now that Baker Mayfield is in Carolina, what does that next do? Because they've already said, the Panthers said they're not trading Sam Darnold. So it's going to be Darnold and Baker Mayfield battling it out to be quarterback number one in Carolina. What does that do for now, Jimmy Garoppolo? Do the 49ers possibly trade him to the Cleveland Browns? That could be interesting. That could possibly be a possibility. Here's the problem. What does Cleveland have to trade? They gave up all their first-round, future first-round picks to get Deshaun Watson. What do they have to give up? Even if they wanted to get Jimmy G, that'll be the next domino to fall. Let's see where Jimmy G goes. I could see San Francisco possibly just holding on to him, though, to be perfectly frank with you. I could see that happening. I could see them being like, eh, let's just, you know, let's just keep what we got. Because you've heard numerous reports coming out that a lot of people tied to the 49ers organization do not believe Trey Lance is ready. Well, if that's the case and you feel like you're a contender, then you probably need to keep them. And just one more note here on the Baker Mayfield stuff. Quarterbacks drafted in the first round of the 2018 NFL draft. That was just, what, four years ago? Right? Yeah. I'm doing the math here. 18 to 19, 19 to 20, 20 to 21. Yeah, just four years. Okay, just making sure. Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick. First quarterback off the board, obviously. Traded to Carolina for a fourth or fifth round pick. Sam Darnold, selected number three overall in that draft. Left New York after a couple years, now battling to be the backup quarterback in Carolina. The seventh overall pick and the third quarterback taken in that draft was Josh Allen. That worked out well. Favorite to win the MVP award this year, by the way. Betting line favorite. One of the best young quarterbacks in the game. Josh Rosen was selected 10th overall by Arizona. We still don't know why. He's unsigned. He currently does not have a job. Four years after being a top 10 pick is not in the NFL. And then way down there, the guy that no one thought would work out, <clears throat> Lamar Jackson was the 32nd overall pick, the fifth quarterback taken in that class. Uh, he won the MVP award in 2019. Woo! And I'd like to point out something about that. We focus so much on QBs as the saviors. 
If you don't have the other pieces around, they will not succeed. Lamar Jackson goes to Baltimore, a well-run organization. They have pieces on both sides of the football. They were able to build around him, and they were able to tailor make an offense for him to thrive. Well-run organization, good coaching, good players. That all makes a difference. It's just not the quarterback. Josh Allen, the same thing. Buffalo is a well-run organization. They've built up great, a great team with great players, good front office, and Josh Allen is able to succeed. You, you see, you see how this works. The five guys that were drafted in the first round in 2018, two of them went to well-run organizations that thrive, and those quarterbacks are doing what? Succeeding. Getting to the playoffs, winning MVPs, going to Pro Bowls, being named All-Pro. The other three guys went to dumpster fire organizations. One of them is not even in the league anymore four years later, and the other two are on their second teams four years later. It's just not the quarterbacks. It's how you build the roster. It's the GM, it's the coaching, it's ownership. It's all of it to succeed in the NFL. It's just not the quarterback. I say it all the time. And y'all don't listen. Poll question of the day. Got to listen to that. Shall we? Now that Baker Mayfield is in the NFC South, Who's the second best quarterback in the division behind, of course, Tom Brady? That's our poll question of the day. Who's now the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? 62% of you say famous Jameis. 38% say Baker Mayfield. No votes for poor Marcus Mariota. Poor Marcus Mariota. (laughs) Steve says... I think he's sitting on a sofa in Brobridge. The Raging Cajun legend Jake DeLone would outplay any of those yo-yos, and he hasn't played a down in years. A midget, a cripple, and a guy who spent his career pulling splinters out of his butt. Hashtag, come on, man. Steve, I love I love Thursday Steve the best because Friday is no salt Friday, so he gets all of his salt out on Thursday. That always makes me happy. Ton on Twitter says, no Sam Darnold, tiss, tiss. It's Sam's not going to be the starting quarterback. <laughs> but Sam Darnold may be, still be better than Marcus Mariota. Oh, man. <laughs> Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. More RP3 and company coming up. Hey, you want to get those phone calls in? Now's the time to do so. Game hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. I love when... You out there send something to me. You go, RP3. I need you to comment on something. I love that. 
I love the interaction that we have. Feels so personal. My guy, Hart, is upset about something. He's fired up, and he needs me to calm him down. So that's what I'm here for. Hart says, can you please discuss this nonsense this morning at RP3 Sports at Game Louisiana? And what it is is a nicely done graphic by CBS Sports HQ, which ranks every roster in the NFL ranked 1 to 32. 1 to 32. Number one, Buffalo Bills. I would not argue with that. I think they may be the best team in the NFL this year. But once again, it's early. Two are the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, they did make some moves in the offseason. Would I say they had the second-best roster? Rams, your defending champs, are three. Tampa Bay, four. Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, five. Kansas City, six. The Dallas Cowboys are seven. Green Bay is eight. Philly, nine. Baltimore, 10. Denver, Denver, 11. Vegas, 12. Minnesota, 13. Tua in the two tones, 14. That's the Miami Dolphins. The Cleveland Browns are 15. You've noticed we haven't gotten to the New Orleans Saints yet. A team that nearly made the playoffs a year ago with four different quarterbacks, including Trevor Simeon and Ian Book, trying to throw passes to Kevin, I drop everything thrown my way white. And no Michael Thomas. And two bouts of covid Issues still nearly made the playoffs, and they're nowhere even remotely close to the top 15. I'll continue 16 Indy, 17 Pittsburgh. Who's going to be quarterback in Pittsburgh? 18 San Francisco, which I think is a little low, by the way. 19 is Arizona. 20 are the Jets. And finally, 21 are the New Orleans Saints. We've had this discussion before. That national media either is incompetent or has an axe to grind with the New Orleans Saints. You have a healthy Michael Thomas. You added Jarvis Landry. You added Chris Olave through the draft. Your wide receiving core just became exponentially better. You added a first-round pick across the offensive line. You're going to have a healthy Eric McCoy and a healthy Andres Pete Pondwater. You got one of the best right tackles in the National Football League, back healthy Ryan Ramchek. Yeah, you got the Kamara suspension looming over. What's that going to do? I get that. You have a dominant defense. You added Tyron Matthew and Marcus May. And, and that roster, that roster that I just told you about, I'm supposed to believe is the 21st best roster in the NFL? Come on, man. Part of this is Jameis not believing in Jameis, not believing that the Saints can do anything without Sean Payton. 
And I've said this before. I actually said this on the Saints Happy Hour podcast. The fellas had me on this week. Part of it is fatigue. National media started turning on New Orleans and the Saints after the NFC Championship game loss to the Rams where you had the infamous NOLA no-call. They gave them a couple of days to complain about it, but once the Saints shifted and had a party where they weren't going to be celebrating the Super Bowl and they were going to protest the Super Bowl and everything like that, once that happened, you started to see it then. They felt like New Orleans were being a bunch of whiners, and they turned on them. Where they became the great story post-Katrina. Oh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton and New Orleans is a great place to see a game. And all oh, the hoodats and everything like that. National media turned on the Saints starting at that moment. And they wanted the Saints to go away. So part of it is the Saints are always good. Fatigue about that. And them not winning Super Bowl titles. That's part of it. Buffalo Bills went through the same situation in the early 90s. But then the other part is the NOLA no-call and the Saints' reaction to it and still being pissed about it. National media got tired of hearing about it. They started to turn on the Saints. I said it on the pod. I'll say it again. That's part of what's going on. This is absolutely ridiculous. I'm not even a Saints fan, and this list infuriates me. (laughs) So I can only imagine how members of the Black and Gold Nation feel about it. But thank you, Hart, for bringing it to our attention, bud. Appreciate you. We got to take a timeout. When we return, our first guest of today's show, the Mad Dog, Ron Higgins. We're going to talk LSU sports. We're going to talk about the changing landscape of college athletics and more. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Half the week is in the books, which means it's time to talk Bayou Bengals with Tiger Details columnist, the mad dog himself, Ron Higgins. Here is Hold That Tiger on RP3 and Company. The mad dog, a.k.a. Hollywood Higgins, a.k.a. journalism legend. Bud, how was your 4th of July weekend, brother? It was very quiet. I didn't, you know... No fireworks. Uh, I didn't blow myself up on any fireworks. Uh, I did that when I was a little kid, so uh, <laughs> I, I kind of got over it in a hurry. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was a good weekend, nice and quiet. You know, I constantly, you know, started watching the uh, NBA Summer League because I'm a uh, I'm a hoops freak, and uh, and uh, that's about it. You know, just kind of chilling and so so. I'm I'm, I'm yeah, disappointed yeah. in you, Ron. I'm disappointed because I was hoping. There'd be some type of viral video of you hanging out with your family, popping fireworks in the street, and then having it explode a car because you don't know what you're doing. Wasn't that awesome? <laughs> that was pretty awesome. <laughs> I got I got a good laugh out of that video. Everybody's in the front yard in lawn chairs, like like it's a tailgate. And all of a sudden, they're blowing the car up. You know, you know. After the smoke cleared, they probably about four or five people in that group. Out in the street screaming, hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah, you know? it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. All right. Let's let's uh, let's get to – I want to talk about Jay Johnson and the offseason he's had because he's been very, very aggressive 
with the transfer portal. He has retooled this team in a hurry by poaching some of the best players in the country, also adding to a staff by going to the big leagues. You know, what do you think of what Jay has done after wrapping up his first season at the helm and his approach this offseason? You know, he's always been a guy that's always kind of, you know, when he when he when he came to LSU, he talked about how many how many uh, basically notebooks he'd wear out with you know putting together his roster. He loves to tinker with his roster and look at lineups and even like from the, in the off season. Uh, I think that I mean I, I haven't had a chance. I, I want to sit down with him because I want to ask him. Uh, he must really love the transfer portal now that it's it's in full blossom and full full blown, because for a guy who loves taking on this roster, there's no no better thing than having a transfer portal. It's like being the the general manager uh, uh, of of a, a major league baseball team. You know, who, who can we go get? You know, who who, who, can, who we can fill? But this option really wasn't ever wasn't there that much before the transfer portal. I mean, you, you, you'd have guys transfer, but, you know, you, you couldn't get them to play immediately. And it was just, uh, it, it, to me, it's just the, 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 the best thing ever for college baseball because it really is, you can really fill your, change your roster in a hurry if you know what you're doing. Obviously, he knows what he's doing. Uh, he's filling gaps at pitcher. He's filling gaps in the infield. Uh, and I think he's... As much as he'll say it's exhausting, he'll say it's exhilarating because this is what he loves to do. He loves to, you know, get the personnel he needs. And, and this was the, really the, the first full-blown year of the transfer portal. I mean, there was some last year. I mean, of course, he got Jacob Berry and a couple other guys. But this was a, really the, the, the first full-blown year of the transfer portal was really blown up in baseball. Let's talk about switching over to Brian Kelly because he has was also immensely aggressive in the transfer portal. He had to be because he took over a roster that was barely a roster, right? I mean, you had to take a, a convert a wide receiver, a backup one at that, and turn him into a quarterback for a bowl game. So he had his work cut out for him, but he's carried that over into this new recruiting cycle where he's going nationwide. And I, I said this before about him when people complained, well, or questioned rather, Ron, well, can he recruit down south? I go, he's not going to have any limitations. He had limitations of being a group of five coach at Cincinnati and was able to make that work. Then he had to go to Notre Dame where he had all those academic restrictions and he still was able to recruit, have top 10 classes year after year. He's not going to have any of those restrictions now. And you're seeing him getting guys Baltimore, Indianapolis, Minnesota. He's going to recruit LSU as a nationwide entity, isn't he? Right. I mean, class of 2022, 11, 11 commits from eight states. Like I said, uh, two from Louisiana, you know, two from Texas. And, and like I said, Minnesota, uh, he could go everywhere. I mean, I mean, they got to. Uh, they're really hoping they can get a commit from Jalen Brown, a five-star wide receiver from Miami. Uh, LSU doesn't have a five-star in his class yet. It has uh, nine four-stars and two uh, three-stars. Yeah, I mean, he, he can recruit nationally because that's what, at Notre Dame, that's what you had to do. But like you said, 
there are no restrictions on this guy now. First of all, uh, he's at a place that has better facilities than any place he's ever coached at. He's at a place that has, uh, you know, academic restrictions aren't where they were at Notre Dame or anywhere else. Uh, he's at a place that, uh, besides Notre Dame, but really probably even more so than Notre Dame, more national exposure uh, that's being watched by more people. Yeah, Notre Dame had its own TV deal with the NBC, but more people watched the SEC on, on ESPN on a consistent basis than, than Notre Dame, except for the Notre Dame fans faithful. Uh, so he's got all these things going for him, uh, and he's taking advantage of it. Uh, and you know he's, uh, you know he's got four defensive linemen, the four defensive backs in the group so far, and a couple of wide receivers and a running back. Uh, I think he's doing fine. You know and. Uh, I'll be interested to see, you know, you know, SEC media days in a few weeks and the LSU's up on a, on a Monday, the first day. So I'll be interested to see, uh, you know, what kind of questions he gets from the media. Uh, and I'm sure there'll they'll, they'll be questions about, you know, him trying to fit in or whatever. Listen, man, anybody fits in anywhere if they win. <laughs> it's pretty much pretty simple. I mean, once upon a time, I, I, this is – this was blown out of the, the blown out of the water a long time ago. I, I can't remember the numbers, but once upon a time, the SEC basically was had head coaches who were, uh, I guess, had, had had been an assistant coach in the SEC school or played the SEC school, and that's they that's how they built their built their football. And eventually, that 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 changed. You know, I mean, uh, you know. LSU went out and got Donardo uh, from, you know, you know, who played at Notre Dame and coached at Vanderbilt. But eventually it changed around the league where, you know what, we can get people from somewhere else and, and they can come in and, and, and coach. And people were concerned about Saban and, uh, you know, as far as, uh, you know, uh, how can he fit our culture? Well, your culture is what you make it. You know, I mean, to me, it's what you make. I mean, uh, I think Brian Kelly's done a fine job of, of, so far of, of, of fitting in, but I don't think he's had to fit in. I think he had the respect to come in and uh, people respected his track record and that, that was enough to fit in. Uh, I think, I think the whole fitting in the culture thing sometimes is overrated and it's blown up by national media that uh, how can this guy from Notre Dame come down to LSU where it's the wild, wild west and, you know, people are running around the streets partying all the time, and that's all they do is drink and party in Louisiana. How can he fit in with that? Well, you know, we we just don't drink and party in Louisiana. We actually have actual lives, and we have actual jobs, and we go to them. Uh, and I think Brian Kelly has fit in fine. I think he's done a good job. Uh, I like the guy. LSU needed some stability. They needed somebody with a plan. Uh, they needed somebody who didn't take his shirt off and go into bars. So there you go. <laughs> I'm talking with Ron Higgins, award-winning columnist from Tiger Details. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, bud, you've been covering sports quite a long time. I'm not going to date you here. But college football and is, is the driving force behind all this realignment. Just big picture here, do you believe what's happening with these super conferences being essentially created do you think this is good for college football? 
I think it's good to a point, but I think when you start going across three time zones to get people, get teams in your conference, it doesn't work. That's that's why it, it always amuses me when people go, uh, what's the SEC going to do now? They have to do what, what they have to do now. I mean, they're, they're waiting on Texas and Oklahoma. What, what do they need to respond to? They need to, be, to get a bigger league. The one thing I, I have a heart, I don't think the SEC will ever do, you will never see the SEC skip over two or three time zones to get a team. SEC is very much about geographic location and having states connected. Uh, so if they ever got a, another team to be in Florida or it might be in the Carolinas or or maybe Virginia Tech, if they ever went, they, they felt like they need to expand. But to, to, to me, the, the rest of the country reacts to the SEC. The SEC doesn't react to the rest of the country. And uh, I think I think 16 team teams, 16 team t uh, leagues are enough. You know, 16 members are enough, or 14 is enough. Right, right now there's 14. They're, they'll go to 16. I'm, I remember this league when it was 10 teams. Uh, then it went to 12. Then it went to 14. Now six is going to 16. Uh, I I think it's good for college football to a point, but then you. Hey, look, the, no, no team's going to be left out. Some team's going to – I mean, there, there's always going to be four or five conferences. I really believe the ACC is still be standing. I think the Pac-12 will still be standing in some form. Uh, I think this is a chance for a lot of uh, so-called mid-major teams to move up into a, a, a power five league. So it's not necessarily all bad. I just uh, – you know, it's just it, – uh, to me, I know the USC and, and, and UCLA and, and the Big Ten seem a little strange. So it's a, it's a bit of a jump uh, distance-wise, but uh, it'll all settle down. It always does. People people go, go crazy. Media overreacts. Uh, I mean, this is kind of like the ebb and flow of college sports. All right, bud. We're a couple of weeks away from SEC Media Days. You and I will, you know, go down there and just, you know, you know, take down Atlanta is what we'll do in a couple of weeks there. Uh, what are you most looking forward to to the Media Days events being held at the College Football Hall of Fame again? Uh, I kind of look forward to it being held at Birmingham again, really. <laughs> <laughs> you're not you're 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 not the only person that feels that it should just never leave Birmingham and Hoover. Like that's the best setup, and that the setup at the College Football Hall of Fame is not optimal. Oh, it's not optimal, uh, and especially I'm sorry to say this, Raymond. For it's it's the worst setup in the world for radio guys. It really is, unless they've changed it. I mean, that they, they put you in a bunker, you know, basically. Uh, but uh, what am I looking forward to? I'm looking, I'm looking forward to Brian Kelly's, you know, debut uh, on on the on the as uh, at, at Media Days. I, I kind of wonder if he's ever ever seen anything like this. I mean, I guess because I don't know that Notre Dame does they, their independence of the. I don't. I guess they don't have a media day in a conference. So I, maybe this is something new for him. Unless Cincinnati had one at one time in their conference, but. I'm looking forward to, to Brian Kelly taking in the circus that is SEC Media Days, where uh, everybody gets a credential, and uh, it's uh, it's a circus for for four days, 
Uh, fortunately, LSU was on the first day. Uh, and, uh, and, and then, and, you know, of course, the, the whole Nick Saban, you know, every time, you know, Saban will be asked a lot about the Jimbo stuff, and he'll deflect it. That'll be, that'll be good. Uh, you know, and uh, just the, I guess I always, I always love the, to me, the, the fawning Alabama media over Nick Saban. <laughs> it is. I went. The only time I ever been was a couple of years ago, and you you were you were there for that as well as when we were in Hoover, and I remember that, and I remember how the whole radio row and like the lobby, there there was just this buzz when Saban entered just just the the Galleria Mall, <laughs> like it was just. I'd never seen that before, and it was just like, oh, they all just, they all just looked at him and just all clamoring to have him on. And I was like, okay, that I, I've seen Nick before, <laughs> so you know, I've seen I've seen Nick. I've been in a press conference with Nick Saban before when he was at LSU. Yeah, you know, it's like, it's like nobody wants to ask Nick a difficult question. I mean, a couple of years ago when I asked him because I know Nick. I mean, and uh, you know, we have a pretty good relationship. You know, and I, and I asked and my question was Nick. I mean. I mean, you basically lost a whole staff last year. Are are you difficult to work for? And you could hear this gasp in the audience, like, I can't believe he asked Coach Saban that. You know, <laughs> uh, I, mean, I mean, to me, it's like these. I mean, they're about there's a handful of Alabama, Alabama media who are objective, and the rest are just oh my god. It was like, yeah, I expect one of them to ask one day, Coach Saban, do you get up in the morning and and wonder? And say to yourself, "How can I be greater than I was yesterday?" <laughs> oh my God, that's it's a pretty good. good North Alabama accent, by the way, buddy. I gotta let you go. I'm up against a timeout, though. <laughs> Appreciate your time, bud. Enjoy your week. I can't wait to see you in Atlanta. <laughs> All right, man. All right, bud. It's Ron Higgins. I was not expecting him to nail that North Alabama accent, but it, it, that, that's that's good. That's 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 spot on right there. We got to take a timeout, wrap up hour number two. That's all coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Poll question of the day. Let's check in on it, shall we? I do like that. Now that Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield. Is that Kevin Foote's favorite player's name to say? I think so. That or Ian Book. Poll question of the day. Now that Baker Mayfield is in the NFC South, as a member of the Carolina Panthers, and is projected to be the starting quarterback there, beating out Sam Darnold, who's the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? 65% 65% of you say Jameis Winston, 32% say Baker Mayfield, and then someone stepped up and voted for Marcus Mariota, probably his family. Shout out to them for doing that. That's the reach of our poll question. <laughs> oh, It's got to be Jameis. I mean, it's just got to be Jameis. I would still take Jameis over Baker. Once again, the two quarterbacks that have thrown the most interceptions – since the beginning of 2018 are now on the roster for the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. The turnover machines battling it out to be the starting quarterback for a team that may win eight games this year. Shout out to the Panthers. 
shot him out. Christian McCaffrey's probably thinking, what am I doing here? Keep voting on our poll question of the day. Keep leaving those comments on Facebook and Twitter. Who's now the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? We got to take a timeout. Hour number two is in the books. Hour number three, we're going to kick it off with Les East, Saints, Pelicans. It's coming up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III. Just wanted to let you know that sleeves are hard sometimes. I'm just going to leave it at that. Sometimes getting sleeves to work on your shirt is hard. It's difficult. It's a challenge. <laughs> We've had a great show so far today. <laughs> As I get the look of, which I get typically a few times during every show, I get the what I call the business from the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Great show so far today. We've covered a lot of ground. Houston Astros see their eight-game winning streak snapped by the Kansas City Royals. No Altuve, no Yuli Gurriel in the lineup. Christian Javier gets roughed up early, giving up three home runs in the first few innings of the game. Strohs try to climb back in it, but Royals add a couple of insurance runs to pull out the win. Both of those teams will get back in action this afternoon to conclude the four-game series. Strohs can win the series by winning today's game. Justin Verlander will be on the bump. First 10, first pitch. 1235 Astro launch will begin with Robert Ford and Steve Sparks. You can listen to it right here on the game. We also touched on the Baker Mayfield trade, essentially the former number one overall pick and three-year starting quarterback in the National Football League was traded to the Carolina Panthers for some leftover chicken and coleslaw. That's all the Panthers had to give up as the Browns continue making poor decisions, which they have done for uh, about 25 years now. And, of course, we also touched on Zion Williamson. He spoke to the media, and you know what? I love what I heard from the young man. Seems like he's ready to take on truly being the face of the franchise. We're going to talk more about Zion. We're going to talk more about the New Orleans Saints and the National Football League with our next guest. He's the award-winning columnist and reporter from CrescentCitySports.com. It's our good friend, Les East. Les, good morning to you, bud. How was your 4th of July weekend, my friend? It was pretty good, Raymond. How was yours? Question. Mine was fine. I had a disappointing weekend because I didn't set off fireworks that accidentally exploded a car in my driveway. Did you do that? I did not, and I I didn't do it intentionally either. (laughs) Bravo, sir. Bravo. (laughs) All right, bud, let's start off with the Pelicans because that's the most recent. 
the press conference yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be perfectly frank with you. I was impressed with what I heard from Zion. He sounds mature. He sounds like someone who's ready to embrace being healthy and being the face of the franchise. And uh, he did extremely well in that press conference. What was your big takeaway from what you heard from the big fellow? Well, I wrote about this at CrescentCitySports.com is that, you know, yesterday was sort of a – it was his birthday, of course, but it was also like a rebirth for this era for the Pelicans. You know, three years ago there was this big celebration, you know, let's dance when they won the lottery and were able to draft Zion, and then very little has gone according to plan, at least with regards to him. You know, last season they had that nice run at the end of the season without him. But now I think he he appears to be healthy. He's got the contract extension. He's uh, he said all the right things, as you pointed out. And so uh, I think it's a new beginning for everybody. He's locked up for six seasons. So presumably we can stop it. Uh, hearing all this nonsense about him going somewhere else that we've been hearing almost from the moment the lottery was won three years ago. And, um, you know, the thing that that struck me, and this has happened a lot over the last year or two, is that none of this stuff about him and his family being unhappy and moving on has ever come from him or his family, at least not on the record. And so I'm, I'm not sure how much of all we've been, all this noise, as David, David Griffin calls it, I don't know how much of that was true. You know, they acknowledge that there were some rough times over the last year as he adapted to not being able to play because of the foot injury. But, you know, as far as him leaving New Orleans, I don't think that was ever a realistic possibility. And now we know it's not going to happen. What do you make of the fact that there's no player option on the deal just like they did with B.I.? What does that tell you? Uh, it, it doesn't tell me a whole lot. It just tells me that uh, I, I think they're uh, focused on the next six years, and he's going to be uh, in the fold just like uh, B.I. is for the foreseeable future. And uh, I just think it's part of the, uh, the the give and take that was necessary to get the deal done. And, uh, you know, he didn't get the guaranteed max money that players oftentimes get in this situation. He had to uh, have some incentives built in there because of the injuries he's had to deal with. And, you know, they got the deal done, and they got it done on the first day that they could. They get the deal done. Um, what about the contract? Are, are the Pels going to be protected here a little bit? Is there stuff built into the contract to protect him if Zion's missing a season or two or whatever it might be like he has to start his career? You know, I, I haven't seen the contract. I, I think it's more that the guaranteed money is less than the maximum, and then he needs to meet certain benchmarks in order to get extra money to kick in, you know, stuff like being a first team all NBA or winning an MVP award, stuff like that. So I don't think it's directly tied to to number of games played, but if he's going to have to play uh, 
a significant amount of time and play at an extremely high level in order to get it from, I believe it's 193 million to 231 million. So that that's kind of the way they they protected themselves. Now that they got the Zion deal done, as expected, they have him, they have Bi, they have McCollum. Right, they they have a nice trifecta there. They like some of their other pieces, like Herb Jones, like uh, Trey Murphy, some of the other younger guys. They like Jonas. Um, what's the next moves that this team's going to make? Because as of right now, uh, they can't sign their second round pick, uh, the young man out of Ohio State that they're really high on, because the roster isn't going to allow it. So how how are they going to roll with the roster now as summer league is going on? Well, I think the first thing they do is trade for Kevin Durant. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. That's not going to happen. Um, you know, the next priorities or to the 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 next priority is to sign CJ McCollum to an extension. He's entering the final year of his contract. Uh, Larry Nance Jr. is also entering the final year of his contract, so he would be next after that. And then Jackson Hayes would also be a priority. But they're, they're going to have to make a move somewhere. In there, I don't think they're going to make any any big splash uh, during the off season. But the, there are some trade possibilities that would uh, free up a, a roster spot. Uh, um, I, I don't know exactly what they're going to do. We've talked before about Devontae Graham being somebody they would probably shop. Jackson Hayes would be a possibility that they could shop. I don't think they want to get rid of him, but his his role is a little hard to figure with Zion being healthy. So he's somebody that could probably afford to part with for the right deal. So they'll, they'll be looking at a couple of possibilities for a trade to, to open up uh, a roster spot. But as far as getting deals done, CJ McCollum is, is their top priority now. As it should be. Let's switch from the Pelicans into the Saints. I think the Saints had a great offseason. And for me personally, this is a team less that nearly made the playoffs a year ago with having Ian Book and Trevor Simeon taking reps at quarterback and not having Michael Thomas and having to deal with COVID not once but twice, and they still nearly made the playoffs. Yet I keep reading things and I keep seeing all these preseason predictions or – CBS Sports throwing out something that the Saints only have the 21st best roster talent-wise in the NFL. Um, look, I'm, I'm not a Saints fan, Les, but I, I don't believe this roster is the 21st best in the NFL. Why is everyone seemingly so down on New Orleans outside of the state of Louisiana? Uh, you know, I think this is what David Griffin would call noise. You know, it's just, you know, people trying to generate talk during the offseason that may or may not have a clue as to what they're talking about. Certainly the Saints don't have the 21st best roster in the NFL. Uh, I'm not going to pretend to be able to quantify every roster in the NFL, but I do know enough that they are much higher than number 21 on that list. Uh, so so that that's nonsense to put that together. Now, the the things, if you wanted to look at the glass as being half empty, you would say, okay, Sean Payton's gone. 
that's saying no matter, you know, Dennis Allen might have been the logical replacement, but losing Sean Payton is, is going to hurt them. Okay, if you're taking the half-empty approach, you could say Alvin Kamara is probably going to miss six games or more because of his legal situation, even though we don't know exactly how that's going to play out. They lost their left tackle. Okay, they, they have viable options there, but they lost a really good left tackle. Uh, and, you know, Mike Thomas, yeah, they're hopeful that he's going to be healthy, but he has to show it before they're certain about that. So if you want to take a pessimistic approach, those are the things you would zero in on. But as you pointed out, they had an inordinate number of injuries and COVID uh, complications last year, and they still had a winning record and almost made the playoffs. So you would think just if, if luck reverts to the mean this year in terms of injuries, they're going to be better than nine and eight. And then if you start factoring those other things in, you try and figure out, do they win 10, 11, 12? You know, I, I, I don't see a losing record as being a reasonable expectation unless they have a repeat of all the problems they had last year, which is unlikely. So I, I would say don't, don't read any of that stuff because <laughs> the, the, this is a team. I, I think the floor is probably nine or ten wins. I agree. I think they're a 9 or 10 win team. They could even be maybe a 12 win team, uh, depending on how things go. I got to get your reaction here to Baker Mayfield joining the NFC South. It's long been rumored. And I'll give the credit to the Panthers here, Les. They didn't give up anything. Like, the the worst case scenario is that they have to pay a quarter of his salary and give up a fourth round draft pick. That's it. That's it for a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, does he turn over the ball way too much? Is he limited? Is he a great quarterback? No, he's not a great quarterback. Yes, he turns over the ball too much. But if you're Carolina, this is a move, and it didn't cost you anything. And once again, I scratch my head to what Cleveland's doing. Well, it was a good trade for Carolina, no doubt about it, because they, they have uh, a questionable quarterback situation at best. As you mentioned, they gave up virtually nothing to get a talented young quarterback who's done a lot of good things, even though he's he's got some weaknesses as well. But, you know, when you go out and give up a gazillion dollars and, and a, a million draft choices to get to Sean Watson, the rest of the NFL knows you're getting rid of Baker Mayfield and you have no leverage in trade talks. <laughs> and, you know, apparently the only other team that might have had an interest but didn't really demonstrate it would have been Seattle. So they weren't really in a position to play Carolina off of anybody else and try and drive the price up. The only question was, you know, can they get a conditional fifth-round pick or do they have to cut him and get nothing? So they, they just – gave away all their leverage with uh, the deal they made to get the Sean Watson. And this was really all they could do, and Carolina took advantage. Does this change anything for the Saints? Because I, I think it favors the Saints because the Saints always play well in uh, – they play tough, rather, when they're on the road in Carolina. They have to play the Panthers early in the season on the road, Right. And then by the time Baker Mayfield settles in into that role as possibly the starting quarterback, it's going to be later in the season, but then you get that game in the dome. I think that favors the Saints here. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think if you're going to play um, 
uh, Carolina, you're going to play presumably the harder of the two games would be the road game. And if you get that earlier in the season before he settles in, that's probably the, the better scenario schedule-wise. But, you know, I, I, I really believe that you have a clear dividing line in the NFC South with New Orleans and Tampa Bay at the top and Carolina and Atlanta uh, a, a clear notch or two below that. Les, tell the folks where they can go to get all your stuff and what's the latest articles that you have up there that they need to go check out, brother. Yeah, thanks, Raymond. Uh, I have a Zion Williamson uh, piece that, that I posted last night. Uh, we've been counting down to Saints training camp with a position-by-position position, uh, preview. The fourth installment, which is a defensive line, will post probably sometime tonight or tomorrow morning. Uh, so you can check that out on, uh, at um, com, and folks can follow me on Twitter at Les underscore East. Les, appreciate your time as always, brother. Enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks, Raymond. That's Les East, CrescentCitySports.com, covers the Saints, covers the Pelicans. That's good advice. All the Saints fans that were listening, Hart, you brought it to our attention. I had the master, the legend, speak on it. Outside noise, ignore it because it's nonsense. It's off-season nonsense. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update the poll question of the day. We will wait for it. Possibly take your phone calls if you get them in. And if you're nice to the lady behind the glass. Got to treat her with a level of respect, fellas. Got to treat her with, got to try to be classy. Okay? Got to treat her like you would the bank teller. That's how you need to do it. And if you're nice to her, she may let you on. Game hotline's open. 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a brand new Apple Watch. That's right. You can have one on the wrist. You'll have to deal with whether or not that's going to cause problems with your sleeves. But all you have to do to win the brand new Apple Watch is join our brand new text club. Simply text the word GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. That's the word GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. Once you become a member by doing that you're going to be eligible to win a brand new apple watch plus you'll have tons of chances to score other great prizes i'm talking houston astros tickets concert tickets station swag and more it's the game's brand new text club find out more at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com 
Let's check in on the old poll question of the day. It's about Kevin Foote's favorite new NFC South quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. By the way, it's not Baker's fault that he was the number one overall pick. Just want to point that out. The Browns made that decision to draft a quarterback, an undersized quarterback, number one overall. Not a good decision. But to be fair, Cleveland makes terrible decisions when it comes to drafting quarterbacks. See Brandon Whitting. See Brady Quinn. See Johnny Manziel. See Baker Mayfield. <laughs> Just Tim Couch. Over and over and over and over again. If there's one, you, you wonder why the Browns are consistently a dumpster fire? Because they don't do a good job when it comes to the draft. Over and over and over again. But now Baker's in Carolina. Going to be battling out with fellow turnover machine Sam Darnold to be the number one quarterback. I believe he'll probably be the number one quarterback by the time the start of the season. He gets to face his former team in week one. How awesome is that going to be? But we asked you, now that Baker Mayfield is in the NFC South, who's the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South? Is it Marcus Mariota? Is it Jameis Winston? Or is it Baker Mayfield? Ralph has commented. Breaking. Christian McCaffrey has torn his ACL while reading about the Baker Mayfield trade. <laughs> he says, I know this is wrong on so many levels, but that's a funny that's a funny comment. Brian Poche says, Tom Brady isn't the Tom Brady of old, so I would put a healthy Jameis at one and behind him, Tom Brady at two. I love that confidence, Brian. Thank you. Love that confidence. James Kennedy says, Tom Brady. Ralph also asked, did Flo sign with Carolina too, or is she still a free agent? <laughs> uh, I, you know, I will be interested to see here about Brady. Father time is undefeated. Eventually, it's going to catch up, right? Eventually. And Tampa Bay didn't make a lot of moves this offseason. They lost some pieces. Gronk's retired. Antonio Brown and his craziness is no longer on the roster. All right, they did bring back Leonard Fournette, but they also had a change in their coach. I'd be interested to see Tampa this year. I'm curious. Are they still going to be a playoff team? I, I, I don't know. Or is that window closing? I don't know. Because eventually Tom Brady will become Peyton Manning and will be unable to throw a 10-yard out route. It, it will happen. And sometimes it happens overnight. No matter how many kale smoothies and hot yoga you do over on the twitter sphere you guys are getting all about it on the comments daniel says people are voting for a guy who was replaced by a guy who the browns knew couldn't play this season <laughs> that's a good comment oh uh, felix grimm says tom brady is the second best starting quarterback in the nfc south and of course sharing the gif of him trashing the tablet on the sidelines during a game against the Saints, by the way. And Martin's trying to play nice with Salty Steve by saying, good morning, Salty Steve. Results right now for the poll question. 72% of you say Jameis Winston is the second best starting quarterback in the NFC South. 23% say Baker Mayfield is. And 5% say Marcus Mariota. Shout out to Marcus Mariota's family and friends for voting on our poll question. We appreciate them. Keep that up. Hey, 
We're all about folks in Hotlanta listening to us. Probably doing so on the free mobile app. If you haven't downloaded, you can take us anywhere you go. For Apple or Android devices, it's free. Take us with you. I'll be in Atlanta in a few weeks. Maybe I can be signed to be the Falcons quarterback. I probably can stay just as healthy as Marcus Mariota can. Got to take a timeout. When we return here on the RP3 and the companies, Bob Nightingale, Major League Baseball reporter, columnist, will be joining us talking all things Major League Baseball. That's next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July 7th, 1985. Boris Becker beats South African Kevin Curran, 6'3", 6'7", 7664 to become the youngest man at 17 to win a Wimbledon singles title. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Uh, the Houston Astros are one of the best and hottest teams in baseball right now. And guess what? You can see them live in person. That's right. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Seattle Mariners on Saturday, July 30th, and you can be there. That's right. In person. Register in the game clubhouse today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, the big juice box, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Once again, Mariners, Strohs, Saturday, July 30th, four tickets, tour the ballpark and hotel accommodations. It's our latest Astros weekend getaway, but you can only win by becoming a member of our clubhouse. So go sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. And Astro weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Lay Meridian, Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Right now, it's time for us to talk about those Houston Astros, as well as Major League Baseball as a whole, with one of the best reporter columnists in the country, Bob Nightingale from USA Today, joins us now. Bob, good morning, brother. Hope you had a tremendous Fourth of July weekend, my friend. Yeah, everything good. Thank you. So you didn't blow yourself up or even blow your car up in the driveway while popping off fireworks. Is that what you're telling me? Tell you what, I've always been afraid of fireworks my whole life. You read these horrifying stories. You know, people get hands blown off and stuff. I haven't touched a fireworks. I'm not sure when, man, as a little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but All right, let's talk about these Houston Astros. Obviously, we carry the Astros. We're an Astros affiliate. Uh, they have been on a tear. Uh, they they lose last night to Kansas City, but they had won eight straight. They went seven and two against the New York teams. What makes this year's Astros team just so good, Bob? Yeah, they were winning there for a while without any offense at all. That young pitching staff's unbelievable. I mean, obviously with Verlander, you know, no one thought he'd be coming back this good. I mean, he's like vintage Verlander. Then when you get to throw, throwing Framber Valdez and the rest, uh, just you know, uh, 
lights out staff. You know, I'm sure they'll go get some bullpen help, some late inning relievers, like a lot of teams like to do. But a uh, you know, they're they're a juggernaut. They're as good as any Astro team we've seen. You know, over these last six seven years. And Bob, in addition to that, they have such a deep rotation. You could argue probably the deepest in the big leagues right now. And they'll get Lance McCullers Jr. back. And they got the best AAA pitcher just waiting to be called up, and he's just dominating he competition. Back, on precious cargo. No, you're exactly, absolutely right. With a, uh, you know, uh, they, they can go, you know, at least six deep, seven deep, you know, whenever they want. And, uh, you know, I don't think that's trade anyway that depth because uh, you never have enough starting pitching. You know, you're not sure about McCullers. Uh, he looks like he'll be back in August. But, you know, you kind of, you know, cross your fingers that he'll be healthy the rest of the way. But if he's healthy and stuff, yeah, he'll be a, uh, you know, a dynamite guy in that, in that rotation or put him in the bullpen during the playoffs, you know, whatever you want to do. Bob, uh, your Alvarez, I, I, look, it, he was a sensation as a rookie, the big fell out of Cuba. And this year he's on a tear. Uh, he's in the MVP conversation, of course, with the Yankees, Aaron Judge. When you see him play and how he's developed in the last few years, who does he remind you of? Who's a good comparison for maybe baseball fans and historians? Yeah, maybe a young Vladimir Guerrero, you know, the Hall of Famer. Ooh. So my dad, I, I was I texted Dusty Baker the other day. I said, "Hey, reminds you a young Dusty Baker." You know, Dusty treats back or texts back and says, hey, he's a whole lot Brent Ivor was. And, uh, you know, he's right. I mean, this guy, phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Uh, you know, just, just a game changer. You know, it does remind you of a, uh, you know, more disciplined than Vladimir Guerrero, but just a guy that can uh, change the game uh, single-handedly. Bob, let's stay in the American League. Yankees, Astros, I feel – are clearly the two best teams in the American League, and they may be the two best teams in baseball overall. I know it's early. It's only July 7th, but uh, do you feel that way as it stands right now? Oh, absolutely. You know, I was talking to some uh, people from Chicago, you know, they're you know, worried about the White Sox, where they can overcome the Twins and stuff. I said, let's be honest. I mean, can anybody get past the Yankees or Astros? You know, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, it has to be a major, major upset. Uh, you know, everybody in baseball, every baseball fan wants to see a Yankee Astro ALCS. I mean, that would be uh, riv- riveting, uh, riveting stuff for sure. We're talking with Bob Nightingale, USA Today reporter, columnist, covers Major League Baseball. He joins us here in RP3 and Company. Let's stay in the American League because obviously it's the it's the Yankees and Strohs, and they're kind of a, a cut above. But the AL Central fascinates me. You know, the Twins, they never get talked about enough. Uh, just because of where they're at. And they hold right now a four-and-a-half game cushion over the Cleveland Guardians and a five-and-a-half game cushion over the Chicago White Sox, who still can't really get things going. Uh, give me your thoughts about where the AL Central stands right now. You know, I believe it's a Twins division lose. they got to get some bullpen help. I mean, if they had a uh, bullpen, you know, they'd probably have a 10-game lead. You know, they traded away their uh, closer, Taylor Rogers, to get the starter, Chris Paddock, from the Padres on the eve of a season opener. You know, that was a disaster, uh, you know, because Paddock got hurt right away and, uh, you know, out for the year. So, yeah, they got to get some bullpen help. But, you know, I, I, I still think Cleveland's a very good team. Uh, you know, I never thought they'd get swept, you know, four-game series in Detroit. Chicago's got all kinds of problems. I know they've had injuries, but something's not clicking right in that clubhouse. 
something, uh, you know, sometimes I've been right all year. So I worry about them. But, you know, even say, say you win the Central, you know, one of those three teams, it doesn't matter. I mean, what kind of chance do you really have against the Yankees or Astros? It's true. It's true. Let's go back to uh, the American League East. Uh, Yankees hold a comfortable 14-game lead, but you have the other three teams below them, Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto. They're all right there, 45-37 and 37 and 45-38. and 38. Uh, It's going to be a dogfight there. Could both of the wildcard teams come out of the AL East this year, Bob? Yeah, I remember they uh, expand this year, so you're going to have an uh, extra wildcard team. But, yeah, I mean, you could have four of the five teams. You'll knock off Baltimore. It's not that bad. But, you know, uh, all four, team, four of those teams could all make it. So all you have is the division winners from the uh, Central and the uh, in the West. Uh, I think it's very possible. Uh, you know, Blue Jays are still a dangerous team. I think they got to get a starter. Uh, I think they're going to certainly possibly get Louis Castillo of the Cincinnati Reds, who's easily the top, you know, starting pitcher available in the trade market. You know, Tampa's always dangerous. Uh, you know, Boston, I think they need Chris Hill to come back. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think the AL East is that good that, you know, we're, we could have, you know, four of those teams in there. Bob, the Angels are a mess yet again. They have two generational talents. One guy is compared to Mickey Mantle, and the other guy is compared to Babe Ruth. And yet, they can't get their act together. They're 38 and 45, 16 games back of the Strohs. As someone who covers this sport, why are the Angels yet again a big old heaping mess? Well, they never spent the money on pitching as a problem. I mean, uh, a few years ago, they were trying to get Garrett Cole. Figured he wanted to come home. Couldn't get him. And they turned around and threw $245 million in Anthony Redone, oh. third baseman for the Nationals, and it's a complete bust. Uh, you know, it may be one of the worst contracts in franchise history. And they still don't, you know, they don't have that starting rotation. Uh, if I'm the Angels, I listen to offers for Trout. You know, that might sound sacrilegious, but, you know, you haven't been winning with them. Why not try win without them and rebuild your farm system and, uh, and you know, save all that money? Because, you know, Otani's a free agent in a year. You know, I'm not sure what it's going to take. You know, my take a good $400 million. I don't know if I'll take $500 million just because he's already 29 years old. But, you know, I and mean, this guy, uh, you know, if, if you pay a top hitter $300 million or top pitcher $300 million, you know, that's $600 million. I mean, it's unbelievable what he what he has done. There's no way you can trade or move Otani. Uh, but Trout, I, I would throw him out to at least listen. Bob, let's switch over to the National League, the Senior League. Mets have seen their lead in that division dwindle down to two and a half games as the Braves are just continuing on a tear. As soon as the calendar turned to June, they turned on the Jets, the defending uh, World Series champions. How do you like this division race? I mean, do you think the Mets and the Braves are just going to battle it out, and do you believe they're that evenly matched? I really do. You know, I was in uh, Phoenix when uh, Atlanta was stumbling around. They were really playing sloppy baseball. Uh, terrible, terrible defense, sloppy in the base pass. Brody Snicker had a team meeting on a, on a Wednesday morning, and they uh, and said, hey, let's get it out together. We're too good to be playing like this. You know, we're embarrassing ourselves. And sure enough, ever since then, they went on this roll. Was it 21-5 and five now or 22-5, and five, something like that? 
And, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a great race all the way down. You know, I know people talk about, you know, DeGrom coming back. You know, Scherzer's already back. We'll see what DeGrom can do. You know, and he wants to be a free agent after this year. You know, is he really going to push himself and go in six, seven innings a game? Or, you know, more satisfied with just going five innings and, and staying healthy? Um, you know, with, with Max Reed and Anderson and those guys and what they're, what they're doing in Atlanta, you know, that's a deep, deep rotation and a, uh, a deep offense now with, with everybody back. Over in the West, the Dodgers have built themselves up a bit of a cushion now, six games above San Diego, and San Francisco's kind of faded back as well. Uh, What are the Dodgers doing so well, even with an aging Clayton Kershaw and the way their roster's built? You know, they've lost some pieces, obviously, but they're still the Dodgers. Yeah, it's unbelievable just how uh, well they developed their players. You know, I know they got money and stuff. Maybe they'll give them better food and nutrition to minors. Uh, but, you know, you talk to our scouts, and they said they got five guys at Class A, but they believe they'll be all major league pitchers one day. Uh, they got a catcher, they say, he's going to be a perennial all star named Cartagena. Uh, so, yeah, it's just all this depth. I mean, anybody could have had Tony Gosling last year. And, you know, and here he is 10 0 with a. Uh, you know, with the one five ERA, you know, get a chance to uh, be the starting pitcher at the All Star game. So yeah, just the depth. Uh, but I, I think they got to get some help. Uh, they definitely have to get some bullpen help. You can't just rely on Greg Kimbrell late innings. Uh, we'll see. I don't think they have that one starter that scares you to death, particularly Walker Bueller out until September, and who knows how, how uh, strong he'll be. So I, I think the Dodgers need to make some moves. If they're going to uh, you know, get to the World Series, we're less than a month out from Major League Baseball's trade deadline. Give me some teams that you feel Bob are going to be big time sellers for the trade deadline that some of the contenders can go poach talent from. Well, Cincinnati will be the most interesting one. I mean, they got a uh, you know two starters, Luis Castillo and Tyler Maley, uh, available. Uh, third baseman Brandon Drury. Uh, will be a nice pickup. The uh, you know Tommy Pham, the outfielder, will be a nice pickup. So uh, I think they'll get more phone calls than anybody. Uh, you know the Cubs, you know have the best position player available in uh, Wilson Contreras, the catcher. Uh, so they'll get a live offers for him. You know some teams are skittish about trading for a catcher because it's new to the pitching staff, but he can DH as well and be a part-time catcher if they want to go that route. And, of course, you got the closer, David Robertson, uh, set-up guy, Michael Gibbons. So they'll get plenty of calls, too. Uh, we'll see what, see what Baltimore does. But there's only about you know, there's about 11 teams that are hopelessly out of it. Uh, Kansas City will move Benetini. So, But I don't think it'll be a, uh, a star market of players being moved, with Contreras being the biggest guy. Bob? Appreciate your time. As always, brother, keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there with USA Today and enjoy the rest of your week, my friend. We'll talk to you soon, bud. All right. Sounds great. Thanks, Herbie. It's Bob Nightingale, USA Today, Major League Baseball columnist, reporter. Covered a lot of ground there, as we always do with Bob. He can just hit on everything, but he threw it out there. Maybe it's time for the Angels to explore trading Mike Trout. And if you trade Mike Trout to replenish your farm system, if you're Otani, do you go, um, 
yeah, we're going to be even worse now without that guy. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not re-signing here. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, if you do it, if you have to make the hard decision, the best decision for your organization to go, it's time for a full-on rebuild. We got to trade Trout. We got to get as many prospects as we can. We got to rebuild our farm system and try to do this the right way. You're not going to be able to resign Otani. So, but look, here's the thing: if the Angels, you've been irrelevant despite all the lovingly written poetic pieces by national media about those two players and about that franchise. You've been a dumpster fire. You've been a mess, and it hasn't changed. And you've done that with Trout and Otani. Yeah. But hearing someone, a national guy like Bob Nightingale, go, eh, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to see if you can trade Mike Trout. Whew. Never thought I'd see that, hear that, those words uttered about the perennial all-star and a guy considered to be the best player of his generation. we got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. When we come back, we'll finalize the poll question of the day, and we'll get you properly set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Oh, The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. Pay attention, fellas. I'm talking to you. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you're going to have the opportunity to score excellent prizes. The type of prizes that's going to help you impress your lady or lady friend. Like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse down at Cypress Bayou. Mouth-watering steaks cooked to perfection. We'll take care of you. $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's. Or... There's also going to be a $50 gift certificate to Half Show Oyster House that you can score, fresh Gulf seafood, or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen down at Cypress Bayou. Great casual dining fare there. Burgers, sandwiches, cheese sticks, and more. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. I want to take a moment to thank all of our guests. First of all, thank them for showing up. Always appreciative. But they were great. Ron Higgins, the mad dog from Tiger Details, talking all things LSU and college football with us. Les East from CrescentCitySports.com, uh, talking about Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. And, of course, Bob Nightingale, USA Today, Major League Baseball reporter, columnist, talking Strohs and the state of the league. The man said it may be time to trade Mike Trout. Ooh, watch out now. Of course, a big part of our conversation today on the show was Baker Mayfield being traded to the Carolina Panthers. That prompted us to have our poll question of the day be, who's now the second-best starting quarterback in the NFC South? Final results say 79% of you say Jameis Winston 18% say Baker Mayfield, and 3% say Marcus Mariota. I think it's Jameis 
And it's by a country mile. It's not even close. Absolutely. It's not even close. But once again, credit the Panthers. They tried to make a move and they waited. Cleveland showed all their cards to everyone at the table and devalued their number one overall pick and made him essentially worthless. And they have to pay the majority of his salary and only get, a at best, a fourth-round pick for him. That's called a poorly ran franchise. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parts, the third better known as RP3. We're going to do it all again tomorrow, 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers in Houston Astros.